Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 30 of the Wimlex podcast. We're delighted to have Ron Simpson in our show today. Ron is a creative and storyteller, and he's the founder of one of the most exciting startups in the food industry, The Avocado Show. They're serving pretty healthy food while curating and creating everything cool about the avocado. So in this podcast, where Willem is the host, Ron is being interviewed about their storytelling, about how to get a share of voice in this already crowded uh, food marketing world. And he's telling about how to set up restaurants while not having a background in that. So a lot of cool stuff happening in the show today. The Wimlex podcast is being brought to you by Lena Huckeleur from Stockholm, Alexander Graf from Germany, and Willem Blom from Amsterdam. And the original founders are Spreiker and Debt Agency. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wimlex Show. We're delighted that we have Ron Simpson with us today. Ron is a storyteller, owner of 24K Agency, and he's also the founder of the Avocado Show, a restaurant chain in Amsterdam selling avocados and more. Ron. Could you yeah. please introduce yourself and also the Avocado Show? Well, I think you just did that very well. Um, my name is Ron. I'm 35. I'm from Amsterdam. Um, as you said, I, I, uh, I'm actually from nightlife and marketing. have a, a base in that and an agency called 24K. used to do a lot of uh, DJing and artist stuff. And after a while, we founded the Avocado Show in 2016. Um, which now has three stores in uh, Amsterdam, one in Brussels, we have one in London, um, and there's tons and tons more coming. So Amazing. Awesome. And how did you come up with the concept of the Avocado Show? Um, well, when I was jumping out of a plane to try to save puppies from a flaming tree, um, <laughs> kidding, we were just sitting one day and figured out, you know, why don't we open a a cool little place for ourselves, more like a hobby, you know, like a place where we could hang out and have good food. And then we figured, well, if we are doing it, so that's me and Julian, my, uh, my partner, um, people expect us to be creative or, you know, a little bit more original than just the next pizza place or whatever. So we had to find an original angle. We were like, okay, so what do we like that is very versatile, that is very sexy that is yummy that hasn't been done before you know and we decided to do a mono restaurant based on avocados and then i mean coming from a background in storytelling um, i can understand that you understand the power of branding yes. a restaurant chain which you've done incredibly uh, what i understood from friends who also run a restaurant that there are more aspects in into <laughs> becoming successful uh, finding a good team uh, the right location, yeah. understanding the metrics of the operations of the business. How did you learn all that? Well, I think it's always a little bit of the chicken and the egg story, right? So if you know what you're doing in hospitality, you probably don't know what you're doing in marketing. And if you know what you're doing in marketing, you probably don't know what you're doing in hospitality. So me, myself, I'm kind of familiar with branding, marketing, PR, communications type of thing. I don't know anything about hospitality, but my partner does and the people we hire the team we assemble we hire experts in this now normally people do it ourselves so they are either the chef or the manager or whatever and then they would have to hire marketing people for us it's just exactly the other way around and that makes it easier for us because we understand our brand ourselves and then there's a lot more people understanding 
how to run a kitchen or a, a bar or a restaurant. So we can just hire those. And, and you have a more than 100% occupancy rate right now. Yes. Um, still, for me, it's fascinating to see that from the idea on the kitchen table, let's settle for a place for ourselves to, to sell food mm -hmm. uh, and have a place where we can relax as well. I don't think we sell food. Sorry? I don't think we sell food. Please well, tell we, us the concept. <laughs> no, we do sell food, but yeah. I mean, we, we, uh, we differentiate ourselves by having, we're really a brand, we're not really a restaurant. Yeah. So the restaurant is part of the brand. We do sell food. We call it pretty healthy food, but there's, a, there's an experience to it that is in everything. So if you like avocados, you need to come to our place. If you like avocados and are coming to our place, it's called show. So you start to expect things. Once you come in, we're going to give you this experience you know we're going to tell you about everything we're going to show and serve you amazing food you've never had before you can buy all kinds of other stuff like cookbooks and merchandise and cool shit you can't find anywhere else so it's more of a total experience than that it is just selling food is that what differentiates you from other restaurants you think i think so i think a lot of people start out trying to create a restaurant we started trying to create a brand and all the values that that has also. Then still, I mean, if I go to an experience, I also want one of the ingredients, which is the food, to be obviously delicious. So <laughs> that's like uh, a given. Yeah. You know, if you don't make good food, don't make restaurants. Uh, the rest is just what differentiates. I think everyone serves food. I think there's 150 good restaurants in Amsterdam that serve good food. But how many? stories can you reproduce how many things do you remember you know a lot of people and a lot of companies make tennis shoes but there's only one nike because they invest in brand right in storytelling and you can identify with the people that they work with or the stories that they tell through campaigns or you know whatever it is you mentioned nike as a as a brand that you well uh, see as a strong example in in their storytelling are there brands within your field restaurants changed with 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 a story like yours as well that you that you thought of or did you come into the business with maybe a more blank mindset in oh we definitely came in with a blank story? mindset um i'm pretty sure there must be more uh th there's places telling amazing stories i think say in amsterdam we have the vegan junk food bar yes is that, is that a story though? well i don't know maybe around tell me the story for me the story is that Junk food can be delicious and slaughter-free. Slaughter-free. Okay, yeah. yeah. So that's a story for me. And they nah, that's a concept. Well, okay. Yeah, but right. they're, they're, it's, they're it's the concept of junk food, which you already know, made vegan. That's a concept. You can explain that in one line. If, if you want to talk to me about the story of the vegan junk food bar, and let's get one thing clear. I love the vegan junk food bar, right? So I'm not attacking them in any way, but it's like I don't know their story. All I know is that they have very tasty junk food that tastes great, uh, is comparable and recognizable to other junk food, but is vegan. I don't know when they started, where they're going, what they want to do. I have no idea or concept of that, who the chef is. None of that. All, it, it's a very strong concept, in my opinion. Um, and I'm sure they have a story, but at this point, they don't really need it yet. Right? It's enough to get two target groups in. One of them is junk food. The other one is vegan. Put that together and they're done. And, and, and then 
so basically you're saying with us it starts with the experience and then food is an ingredient made it for them it's about the food and then a nice name and a nice concept around it if, if you yeah. if, if you zoom a little bit in, more in in your concept and your experience mm -hmm. um, what do you think is the key ingredient that made you successful I think the fact that there that there were and are hundreds of millions of people around the world extremely fan of the avocado they eat it every day at work at home uh, you know they buy it in restaurants or supermarkets whatever there is this huge user base and there was not a single restaurant before we started that's exactly why people want to go to our place and, and tell me about the idea generation phase you you sat around the table with a couple of guys from your agency thinking of ideas. five minutes really really i, I just went was, for was the drink. avocado the first idea that came to the table no the a mono restaurant with pretty healthy food came up and then we were like okay but if we're going to do this then we should um we should add things we really like right i mean it was supposed to be a hobby so we didn't see 10 uh outlets or whatever we saw a place that we were supposed to hang out so what is it that you like we we're like well i eat mozzarella cheese a lot but we can't really open a place for that i like you know pizza like any other guy or sushi but there's already too many of those keep writing what do you like what do you like what do you like and then the second we both wrote down avocado we saw you know our creative uh minds saw the possibilities in it we're like yeah that's good that's colorful it's tasty it's versatile it's hot cold it's mashed grilled cut it you can make sauces out of it you can make smoothies out of it you can make pancakes and cakes and sweets out of it holy shit yeah we could do it in a pokeball wow yeah oh whoa you know what we could do sushi you could actually put it on a pizza yeah, yeah you could maybe we could make soup oh you can put it in a pasta and it just it just you know opened this uh, fountain of ideas which was amazing and that's why it became that but it went really quick no team nothing did it hit off from day one uh, or did you have to put efforts in letting the world know about you and, and I think nothing works without effort but um what were the efforts that you put in well the efforts uh, we I don't think necessarily the start was the effort because we went viral with a Facebook post so I mean that's not really effort we we went viral with a Facebook post with three lines and an iPhone picture so it's not that much of an effort the effort was after that what happens then so the whole world start writing and calling and wanting to know you DMing you five different languages 60 countries you have no idea where this is coming from and I think the way we handled that made the difference so because we already had companies we had staff we knew how to run a brand we knew how to run communications um, we just asked everyone that was working for us to help us out and they were just picking up the phones all day answering emails all day doing all this kind of stuff and the way we handled going viral is the reason why we kept that going for months instead of days and and, and what is your main business model how do you earn money is that from the um, well first of all we have restaurants which are owned so it's a classic hospitality model second we um, we have franchising models so you could license one of our um, licenses and put it in another city that's a, a model in which you just make money like any other franchise so royalties and this kind of stuff 
And then we have a uh, product and merchandise side, which varies from edibles to cookbooks to media to collaborations to T-shirts and you know, whatever, tools. All of those things together, which just have a margin like a store does. And then uh, you sell those from your own web shop? Or our own web stores? shop, our own stores. Yeah. Um, we are also, I mean, the book is everywhere in Holland. You can buy it almost in any bookstore. So from the back or to anywhere else. Um, it really depends on the product. Like the, the avocado fries that we released, they are now at the wholesaler. So you can buy those at different restaurants. And yeah, it's all over the place. And how do you divide your time? Because you're originally an agency uh, guy. Yeah, we basically stopped or sold every single company we had. Okay. Yeah. Um, right now I only do consulting on the side because I think it keeps my mind sharp. Yeah. But I'm super 100% focused on the avocado show and I am responsible for the brand side of things. And then Julian, uh, the same, he's 100% focused as well and he's running the operational side of things. And that's how we split it and it works. And he was your co-founder in 24K uh, agency? Well? No, no, no. That was just mine. But he, he was a, a good friend, actually, and a client once. But um, we were both... guy. A hospitality guy, also a DJ kind of thing. We were just at the same point in life at the same moment, right? Like, hey, what's next? We, we're doing kind of well, but can we build something? Yeah, cool. And I, I trusted him and, and saw his talents from day one, and he shared that feeling with me, so it's cool. Yeah. And, and there are some critics who, who say the avocados uh, use a lot of water. You need transportation yeah. maybe from California uh, to bring them here. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your story around that criticism? Um, How would you respond to them? It's twofold. Actually, we responded to everyone already. Yeah. Uh, our response was this. I don't think you, you should talk about anything that you don't have any knowledge of. And so when the first questions start coming in, we were like, we don't have enough knowledge about this. So let's learn. And we went to take a look in our supply chain. So we went to our Dutch supplier and we went to the origin of the avocados. So Polokwane, South Africa. We went to Michoacan in Mexico. We went to Chile, to Peru, um, and straight to the source. Literally, I touched the trees and the people doing it. You know what I mean? Like nothing, um, no stone left unturned kind of thing. And we just learned, like, my question was, is it possible to sustainably grow avocados? Yes. Okay. Are we as a business buying sustainably grown avocados? Yes. Do they treat the people fair? Are they socially responsible? Yes. Okay. So if this exists, then why are people telling me otherwise? Why are people complaining about water? Why? I mean, they're not complaining for nothing, right? So I want to know why. Well, it's interesting. It's, it's also, I think... If you look at water usage for uh, competitive uh, uh, products that yeah. people eat in restaurants, say uh, meat and dairy, uh, yeah. their water consumption and also... It's even higher than avocados. It's much higher than avocados. So the question for me is also why is avocado now uh, one of the, the, the items uh, that is... Because it's blowing up and it makes news. But what I'm saying more is, is that if people are complaining, where smoke, there's fire. Or where there's yeah. fire, there's smoke. One of those. So, to me, it was very interesting because down, up and down our entire supply chain, we were doing everything right. So, and people were still complaining. So I was like, why do they, do they know where this is coming from? Like, is it a certain region? Is it a place? Is it a country? Is it a farmer? Which actual report did you read about this? I, I couldn't find it. So I think 
uh, yeah, if you compare it to other products, definitely avocado isn't the worst. But also, uh, the big boys are doing it right. It's actually the smaller farmers, smaller companies that have trouble uh, upgrading their technology or changing this kind of stuff, or they work in a poor piece of the country, or, you know... Um, the hard thing about, well, the easy thing about that is that's, a, that's fixable, right? So if we make sure that they get money or funding, we can change their tech, and then it works. Uh, they could just go into drip irrigation, then you don't spill water anymore. Um, we could change every tractor into an electric one, so we don't have trouble with that. We could get them on the same planning, so they could use slow transport, and they don't fly it in anymore. You know, all these solutions are there. When it becomes tricky is when it becomes small. So imagine being a farmer and you're in the wrong place for avocados, but you were in the right place for something else. So you were doing grapes or you were doing oranges and you have a family and you have a small, really small farm and you invested everything you had in grapes or oranges and it doesn't work. And the next day you don't know what to do. You're bankrupt. You're not selling anything. It, it doesn't go right. Your children are hungry, you know. Um, you open a newspaper and it just says, avocado is booming. Would you plant an avocado tree? I think you would, right? And even if it's the wrong soil and the wrong climate and whatever, your mindset is like, first of all, I need to feed my family. Second of all, the whole world is doing it. Third of all, it's natural, right? Um, and four, this is my only way out. I don't know anything else. I'm not schooled. I don't know anything else. So I'm not mad, I'm not, you know, it's just a real problem. It's something that is just created by uh, different circumstances. And I think in the long run, and this is now also part of our brand DNA, we changed our goals. Our, our goals are now we want to become a, a universal global brand. Like we want to be to the avocado what Chiquita is to banana. We want to grow and expand and share our love in all the cool cities of the world because we believe that these people are everywhere and want to share this fun with us. And the third thing is I believe that if we grow big enough that we can steer the avocado growth in the right direction, that we can demand certain sustainability, we could help out the little man, we could you know, do all this kind of stuff because there's, well, I'm, I'm sure there's ill will somewhere, but not where we are. So all the big boys are willing to help the people around them, they help their communities, they do this kind of stuff. You know, it's just, you're talking about countries that are in development. It's not as easy as, you know, screaming from Amsterdam, hey, we should change all this stuff. We should. It's just not as easy as you think, and we're working on it. And I think it's kind of cool. It's a, it's a dope challenge to be part of, and it feels good. We, we yeah. had Tony Chocolonely in our uh, podcast mm. show. and uh, I love that brand. I love that guy also. They're, they're also great at storytelling like you, and... They, they introduced the concept that was new in the cacao market, which was yes. slave-free chocolate. Yes. They really like turned maybe some negativities associated in the cacao manufacturing industry yeah. into like a brand asset for yeah, them. Yeah, man, they made a problem into a solution. It's exactly. Awesome. Yeah. W would you see that you, with your power of storytelling, you're, you're, I mean, you've turned the avocado into this cool thing that well everybody already embraced, but you're actually pushing that further. Mm -hmm. Um, w is there a concept within, like, associated with the negativities that with your storytelling uh, experience and power oh, yeah, 100%. can turn into a positive thing as well? Very honestly, I th I, we already written this. Okay. The concept's done. Um, we have a concept called What a Waste, 
which takes the waste there's there's always waste right it doesn't matter what you make whether it's you know fruit or cacao beans or coffee it doesn't matter there's always an x percentage that doesn't work now um when we speak to our farmers and and other people they tell us like yeah well we have that obviously there's rules there's regulations you know if it has a spot we're not going to transport it if it's broken we're not we can't do it if it touched the ground in south america you're not allowed to export it if it you know all of these things now the avocado itself is a piece of fruit but actually the the ways you can use it are limitless right i could crush that into oil i could make it into guacamole i could make uh, cosmetics out of it which is good for your skin and hair i could do all types of things with it and then i speak to the farmers and they're like yo this is amazing but we don't have a brand and there never was a brand right so Name one brand of cucumbers. Who the hell knows? Beyond so, Meat did that with meat. I mean, exactly, yeah. Uh, well, plant-based meat. It's well, yeah. So they did it with plant-based meat. Yeah. There, are, there are meat brands out there. but uh, Less, I would say. I mean, there's uh, with sodas, obviously, everybody knows the big brands. But if uh, I used to be a meat eater, and now I'm a vegan. But uh, when I used to eat meat and buy it in the supermarket, it was just a homegrown brand, but I didn't really look at the brand. But then the beyond burger came and everybody's like this festival that we are here today we will serve the beyond burger and everybody's craving for it both meat eaters yeah and, and because vegans. you made a story out of it exactly yeah it's the storytelling so yeah and that's awesome so that's exactly what the farmers never had right they were like okay so we want to turn this waste into something but we don't know what because who the hell's going to buy it if there's no story if there's no product if there's no brand right so we believe that we are a missing link in a lot of these things and we uh, have the marketing and creative power and brand power if we grow big enough yeah. to start helping these guys out you know and the good thing is like from a consumer perspective you want to eat uh you know salads with avocado oil or cooking it. you want to have amazing cosmetics for your skin and hair it feels good it looks good it smells right. good why wouldn't you want it you know yeah. so if we could do that and reduce waste, and then if we reuse waste, we can even keep the costs down. It's a win-win-win situation. Great. So, so our mission is... a new plan. <laughs> it's the plan already. Yeah. You just really need size and scale. Yeah. And we partners need to probably grow. to produce cosmetics uh, products. Uh, yeah, that also. But I mean, just like hospitality, that's not hard to find, yeah. right? So you can find those people, but you need money, expertise, distribution, all this stuff. And you can only do that if you're scaled to a certain size. And is then uh, working in conjunction with other partners also a strategy for you? Are you sure. looking to set up, like, oh, you mentioned cosmetics, but also any other uh, product that, that as a byproduct oh, well, of avocado could be produced? Maybe we the made the purchase. avocado fries now. Yeah. So the avocado fries is uh, something we, we did with Salud, yeah. and they, they make frozen foods. Okay. So we don't know anything about frozen foods. I know how it should taste like and look like on a, on a plate, but I don't know how to make it. They do. And they told us, yeah, we made this before. Or sort of we tried. It looked a little bit different. It tasted a little bit different. We're like, yeah, you almost had it. But it actually needs to be this. Change the color to that. Take out the salt. Make it this. Add this sauce. Call it this, yeah. you know. So you're doing the... Crusted um, avocado wedges. Yeah. Avocado fries. Right? Yeah. Same product. Exactly. You just cut it differently. We change the panko. We, you know. So, so you're doing the R&D. They do the production. They have the factories. And we license and our brand. And you license your brand to them, or are you doing the sales and branding as well? We're doing the sales and branding ourselves. Okay. Yeah. 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 
So how does such a partnership then in, in, in reality look? Are you like the co-owner of the avocado fries or is it your We own the avocado fries. We yeah. hire them to create it and stock it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And, and, and you're betting on many different plates, which is, I think, great if you want to make the avocado, the cool product, it, it yeah. can even be more uh, of. Um, are there any challenges that you face are there, uh, besides the environmental aspect that we already mentioned? So what are your key challenges? Well, the key challenges are simple. Any company that wants to be successful should focus, right? So we're a startup. We, only, we have limited money. We have limited resources and people and whatever. So we need to find the right strategy and put our power where it's worth something, right? But... We just believe in different things. We believe in a modern way of thinking. And I'm not necessarily looking for a simple franchisee. I'm looking for someone who is an entrepreneur. Now, if I move my restaurant to, let's say, Spain, right? And we're going to Madrid. Um, the We didn't attract a franchisee. We attracted a, an entrepreneur that is way bigger and better than we are. And they are going to help us. They look at the Spanish market and they say, okay... We don't just want the restaurant. We want to roll out this brand. We want to help you. We're going to translate this book into Spanish. You know what? And then we're going to put it in the markets here. Oh, you have avocado fries? That's kind of cool. We're going to sell that in the places just like we are here. But maybe we can help you with a distribution deal in Spain and then put someone that needs to run it in our office. Why not? And we are like, yeah, that's the way to globalize things now we finally can do that you know we don't have the power to do it any other way and how are the big boys pro uh, looking at you i mean can imagine that there are large avocado manufacturers who adore you because they see new they love us they, they see new revenue uh, uh channel um, mm. but maybe are, do you have any competitors actually now that it comes to think of it, maybe you well, are there, really there are creating other a new market. Avocado restaurants, yeah. but they are building restaurants, and we're yeah. building a brand. That's the big difference. So, I don't think we have competitors yet. Um, there's one that has multiple locations. No, there's two that have multiple yeah. locations, um, but they're just building restaurants, and uh, and it's a different concept in a different continent, also. So, not really. I'm a data guy, and yeah. I'm really curious to learn a little bit more about your numbers. We, we heard you have a 100% competency rate, but no, could you we have technically. If you would you look have a at waiting line, if you look at the way, 100% occupancy rate would be if you fill each chair once, right? We do that about seven times a day. A day. So we have a 700% occupancy rate if you rate it by that way, right? So the bank usually tells you you can fill it maybe two times per day half right um but yeah we uh, we overdo that and, b and besides that can you share some insights on maybe uh, visitors you like to your that? restaurants or if, if you can to listeners uh, numbers in, in in terms of sales or i don't think numbers in terms of sales are interesting at all um i think it's important the thing is i like perspective i don't like data i like data analysis it's the, what do you get out of yeah, the, the yeah exactly so to me being able to fill each chair seven or eight times that is unprecedented it's way more relevant than what you make because the average spend everywhere changes it doesn't really matter i think that's very interesting i think um we get 
anywhere between 300 and 450 people a day at the restaurant. At each individual restaurant? It depends on the size okay. of the restaurant. Um, we go through about, by now, I think a thousand avocados a day if you add them all up. Um, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, what kind of metrics would you need? I don't know. We have 130-something thousand followers wow. online, which is amazing for a small little yeah. uh, hobby. Um, <laughs> well, it's not a hobby anymore. It's not a hobby anymore, no. So, so yeah, we're doing, we're just having fun, man. We're just trying to incorporate everything we know yeah. and try to take this as far as we can and have fun while we're doing it. And I asked this question to Tony Chocolonely as well. There are okay. brands in the world that, that have amazing storytelling, like uh, Ben and Jerry's in the past, yeah, man. Vegetarian Butcher. And they, in yeah. the end, teamed up with uh, a multinational company because yes. they thought that their mission could be achieved quicker uh, compared to when they would stay independent. Is that something that is it could quicker? Is that arise? what they thought? Among other things. Uh, but is that something that, that would be a possibility for you as well? well for example, for to expand in, in, I don't know, the US or in Asia or in other mm. uh, parts of the world? Yeah, obviously. Um, there's ways of doing that. Now, we already have a major investor, Orange Wings, with Sean Harris. Um, which is amazing and, and it got us this far. So we're about to, uh, with her help, I think we're going to hit break even, which is cool. And then it opens up a second, you know, round. Um, and any company can choose the way they want to do that. You could go to a multinational or you could go to a bank or you could go to private or you could go to equity. It, you know, it doesn't really matter. I think everyone has their own strategy. The only thing, the only time I would ever double up with a huge multinational as if they have the power to do something that I don't. And that, and by the power that I don't, I also mean even if I had the money that I couldn't do. You know what I mean? So smart money, like exactly. bringing in an operator knows advantage. how to roll out things. Yeah. Something like that to me is more interesting than if uh, you know, a big food company says, yeah, I want, I want to be part of this. And then I would say, well, that's great, but you make products. You have money, but you know, other people have money. I'm looking for something that, that rolls out. What kind of additional capabilities would you look at then? Mostly operators. So can you run a business? Can you scale up? Can you um, you know, run an operation like that? If you're talking about America, I mean, that's a super interesting market, but it's huge. <laughs> and I mean, legally huge, state-wise huge, territorially huge. It's really hard to roll something out that big. You need someone with a backbone in that, not just cash. Cash won't take you everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and how would you regard Amsterdam as a city to start? I don't think business? Amsterdam is a city. Um, it's my favorite place, yeah. but it's, it's a village compared to the rest of the world, right? So, and I'm glad it is. Where are you originally from? I'm from Tel Aviv. Okay. Um, it's also a very vegan-friendly city where probably your avocado show would, would hit off. Almost the vegan capital of the world, yeah. yeah. Um, I think a city like Amsterdam is cool because you can really see what it does with travelers and locals. And it, there's a reason why really big brands um, use Holland and Amsterdam as a test market because we have the right demographics here. Uh, it's very mixed. We have all types of cultures and religions and people come from everywhere. And you know, It's a really nice little melting pot to, to figure out if stuff works. That's why I'm really glad we did it here. Um, 
and that's why we're building what we are building, right? We could have just kept one restaurant and started franchising, but we're doing more because we believe we can prove everything. You want to see a flagship store, we'll build one. You want to see one in a mall, you want to see one in a high-traffic uh, travel hub, cool, we'll build that. You want to see a to-go version, we'll make every single version of it. Come and look how we do it at Amsterdam and then take it wherever you want to go. That's the way we run things. Yeah. Thanks so much for being in the show, Ron. Oh, thank really you. Really amazing story. And uh, yeah. I would happily uh, try out the avocados. Oh, you're uh, super welcome. And you, you can come by anytime. Thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> thank you. Right. Thank cool. you so much for listening to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Thank you.